Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Do you know a high schooler who is a natural leader and loves to give back to their community? The Leukemia and Lymphoma Society's Student Visionaries of the Year program might be the perfect opportunity. Forming strong teams to support them, Student Visionaries of the Year candidates fundraise for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society in honor of a pediatric blood cancer survivor in their local community. This seven-week philanthropic leadership development program helps students gain valuable life skills like project management, communication, financial literacy, and entrepreneurship. Not to mention, it looks great on college applications. But most importantly, it's a chance for students to engage in meaningful work within their community and make a real impact on the lives of blood cancer patients and their families. Learn more about Student Visionaries of the Year or nominate a student at lls.org slash students. That's lls.org slash students. Welcome to the Jill on Money Show. It's Wednesday, December 6th, and we are here trying to help you make better financial decisions. We do that by encouraging you to hop on to our website, which is called jillonmoney.com. Isn't that convenient? And uh, what you see when you get to that website is a beautiful front door that allows you to click a contact us button in the top right hand corner. That button is your way of communicating with us. If you just complete the form, we get an email. If you want to be on the program with us, check the box and Mark will bring you on the program with us. And now, very excitingly, we are starting to do video interviews with people. We'll talk more about that next week because... This is going to be a whole new Jill on Money venture, which is exciting. Very exciting. I like new stuff. It's kind of like how I live. Uh, I'm just going to bring Mark on for one second. Mark, how does it feel to um, own another home? That's correct. We uh, currently own three pieces of real estate in New York City. Uh, it doesn't feel that much different than yesterday because we're not actually living there yet. Mm, but you, the closing went fine. What happened at the walkthrough when you were like, there's a problem here? What happened? No, there was no problem. It was just, you know, punch list stuff and getting all the attorneys to agree. And then one attorney couldn't reach the other attorney. It was just a lot of waiting around. I mean, it was an all day affair. How was that possible? I did, a, my, you know, when I sold uh, my friend's apartment, the walkthrough was exactly a half an hour. Well, congratulations. And your mortgage interest rate is what? Uh, six and a quarter. For a 10-year adjustable? Correct. Okay. The clock has started. Okay. So when do you actually think you're going to refi? What's your guess? How many years from now? Um, if I'm being realistic, I think to what I want to get in terms of like, I will do a backflip if I get 5%. So I'm thinking 2026. Okay. I think that's a realistic expectation. I do. I think that's a good one. All right. Well, um, congratulations again. I'm hopeful. Did you get my text early this morning about, I want to get David Leonhardt on the show? I saw that. Yes. Yeah, because he did this whole thing on the New York Times um, daily podcast about how people should just abandon their whole search for a home because it's so unaffordable and want to get him on. Got to get him on. I love that idea. We were uh, early and I will say we, me, I was pretty early in the whole idea of renting is a great thing back in 2018. 
when I said, when I wrote my first book and I was like, you know what? It's, sometimes it's okay. Sometimes it doesn't make sense for you to own. Renting is fine. And that is even like more the case five years later. So give yourself a break, gang. If you're dying to buy something, maybe just chill out or just get in touch with us. All right, let's take some emails here. Martin writes, I'm 60 years old and I'd like to retire in five years. I make $400,000 a year. I got, by the way, cue the hate mail, a million dollars in the brokerage account, a million dollars in traditional retirement account, deferred comp 350, a million dollars. Everything's a million with this guy. Million dollars, no mortgage. Second home, ah, only 600,000, no mortgage. Uh, A $390,000 line of credit is his only liability. He said, I was going to pay for the second home out of my brokerage account, but with the markets cratering in 2022, I didn't want to sell investments at a loss. So my plan is as soon as the markets recuperate, I'm going to liquidate a portion of my investments, pay down the line of credit completely. Meanwhile, I'm paying $10,000 a month on the line of credit. Okay. Maybe now's that time because um, I'm just looking at financial markets and I don't know. I think the S&P 500 is within about 5% of the all-time high. So I'd say like, get going. Let's not wait around for that. More about Martin. I'm divorced. I have a son who's 27 years old. He graduated from university. He's working. Monthly expenses, eight grand a month. I want to maintain that amount after retirement. Social security at age 65, three grand a month. Can't you just wait to 67? Here's what I think. Uh, So I think that he wants to know what's what. You're fine. Um, wait till 67 because you'll get a little bit more money. Use some money. Just pull some money out of your uh, traditional retirement account and uh, pay the tax on that for the two years. You could probably do that even till age 70. Depends on your longevity and your family. You're fine. You're fine. Everything's good. I know you got 400 grand a year of income. That's amazing. But I mean, you've got $2.3 million. Let's say $2 million after we pay off the line of credit. $2 million. You're going to have three, probably if you wait, if you wait till you're age 70, I bet you're going to get closer to four grand a month. And then we only need four grand a month. So I think you're good. Golden, good. Go get them, Martin. Uh, give us a holler if you're unwilling to wait until age 70, maybe because you have bad health, but otherwise pull money out of those uh, pre-tax accounts between age 65 and 70, pay the tax that's due and you'll be good to go. All right. This is from Jerry who writes, I have a question about financial management of retirement funds. There are many managers out there vying for our retirement money, and every one of them says they're the best at taking care of retirement nest eggs. Okay. I've been working with the same person at this big firm for over 15 years. He does all the work of moving funds around to get the best tax advantage and retirement goals. I'm retired with over 600 grand in retirement funds. Question. Do people actually move their retirement eggs from one manager to the next trying to find the best one? Yeah, they do that all the time. They usually chase. But, you know, how do you know if your financial persons get doing the best for you? I mean, listen, if you're happy with this person and they charge a reasonable fee and it's, you know, usually I imagine for this situation, you're paying an asset under management fee. There's no reason to move. If you especially if you like the person, the reason why people tend to move is number one, they feel like it's too expensive. Number two, they uh, decide they want to do it on their own. And number three, they maybe got into some sort of issue with somebody. You know what I mean? I think that what I'm considering in your case is if you're happy, stay where you are, right? It's just that easy. Okay. Uh, okay. This is from Anonymous Anonymous. 
you know, Mark, it's amazing how many questions we get from this person, anonymous, anonymous. Why do they do? Why do they do it twice? Jill! Exclamation point. My wife introduced me to you when we drove across the country during the pandemic. <laughs> they listen to a lot of shows for that trip, Mark. <laughs> I can't thank you and Mark. See you too, Mark. Enough for providing such sage advice on how to approach finances. After listening to countless episodes, I'm taking the plunge to write you a question. Okay, here we go. My wife and I have welcomed our first child to our family, and we are thrilled to be parents. <laughs> but we were shocked when our financial advisor provided us a 529 contribution plan. Assuming a rate of investment return of 6%, education cost of inflation 5%, and an annual cost of education 70000 in 2041, we need to contribute $19,000 a year, starting this year to cover college. I mean, when I read it that way, Mark, it really sounds horrible or it sounds great because if you think like all that money in the future to break it down and say 19 grand now doesn't sound so horrible, but it depends about everything else going on. My question to you is this, how would you recommend new parents balance saving for their child's education while meeting personal financial goals. To us, the gift of education is paramount, paramount. We'd like to position our child to not have significant debt upon completion of higher education. They won't because you'll be forcing them to go to um, community college and then public college. It'll be a little bit cheaper for you. All right, I'm just kidding. I know you well enough that you're going to tell us to build back up our emergency reserve fund. Can you provide guidance on how to prioritize or split competing interests with the leftover money we have each month. Here are our areas of focus. Okay. Oh my God, this is hysterical. Okay. So here are the four things they want to do, gang. Education funding, we know that. Emergency reserve, retirement, and then they need to float their boat. Get it? We desperately want a boat. I know this is ridiculous. That's Those are the four things they want to do. They are 33 and 37 years old. They make 250 grand. Anonymous has 101,000 in the retirement in 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 their retirement plan. Partner has about uh, let's call it ninety thousand dollars split between Roth and traditional. Anonymous contributes eight percent to a Roth has a five percent match. Partner contributes six percent to Roth has a six percent match. They contribute five grand to an HSA every year. They spend it all. Brokerage account um, paying a half a percent to manage five hundred eighty three thousand dollars. Financial advisor gives advice and doesn't just manage money. There's a 529 account, 4,500. Rainy day fund, high yield savings, 13 grand. Liabilities. There's a house here somewhere. Okay, house of $943,000, $647,000 mortgage at three and a quarter percent. Car loans at 5%, um, like 37 grand. They spend 10 grand a month. Daycare is killing us. Between one to $2,000 left over each month that needs allocating. Thank you and happy holidays. All right. I'm taking a breath here. Can we just put this boat on the um, back burner, if you will? Can we? All right. Now, here's what I would think. Your emergency reserve is number one. And because you have a baby, I really think this is more important than almost anything else. So right now they have 13 grand and they spend 10 grand a month. So really, I need you to spend the next, let's see, let's say it's a year building up this retirement fund. I mean, this rainy day fund. And then maybe even two years. And if you got two grand a month, maybe you get there. But you know what you could do, frankly, is you could take money out of, let, let's let's make it easier for Anonymous and Anonymous's partner. 
you could hive off 80 grand of your brokerage account. Okay. You could say to the advisor, put this in a T-bill, put this in a treasury bond, like make 80 grand fixed, but safe, uber safe. Okay. And lock it down. And then you'd have a hundred grand that was safe. I could live with that. I really could. But you have to say, but the brokerage account, like you're paying half a percent on that, but you could say, I want 80 grand to be put in a two-year, a five-year, and a 10-year. And that's that. I, I want it to be a fixed amount that is set aside there. And maybe if they do that, they won't even count it towards your fee. I would lock that down. And if they say, nah, we don't really want to do that, then take 80 grand out and buy yourself a two-year, a three-year, and a five-year CD and have it you know, 30, 30, 30, or 25, 25, 25. And now you're done. Now you got your rainy day fund and you have a half a million dollars in your brokerage account. So I think that's fine. The other thing I would consider is, again, depending on the tax liability in this brokerage account, why not use part of the brokerage account and jumpstart the 529 account? Why not take some money out? Especially if you're going to do some reallocation this year, because it is going to be more tax efficient way for you to save inside the 529 than inside the brokerage. So I could see where you would say this year, uh, partner and I are going to put 17 grand each into the 529. Next year, we're going to put 18 grand each into the 529. And now you like give yourself a two year runway, right? And you got some money in there and you can stop putting contributing. And now we can just focus on retirement, which is where you really need to pump it up and then boat back burner. I think that works. What do you think, Mark? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I wouldn't get too hung up on the $19,000 a year that has to go into a 529. I, I personally think that's on the high side. I, I wouldn't be doing that much. You know, do what you can do. A lot of this is going to get taken care of when the child is, you know, three years from now and that $10,000 a month in daycare is gone. Yes. That's going to help everything. Then they can increase their retirement contributions, this boat. That will be a possibility at that point in time, but not right now. If it's driving you a little nutty right now, that's the one reason I would say, I think psychologically, it might be better for you to get this going now and have the money in the account and starting to grow and then pull back a little bit on the money that's going into the brokerage account fee. I mean, it's a low fee, so I don't know who the broker is and what they're really telling you. Um, and I hope that you're using a 529 plan that's a direct plan and not paying a fee on that 529 plan money. That's the only last thing I would say. Last question is from Alanda, who says, I'm 73. I'm retired. I've got a pension and social security that covers my needs. Done. Okay. All right. I'm not sure I'm handling my 403B and 457 accounts correctly. I don't need the money. I use the annual required minimum distribution as travel money. <laughs> I believe Roth conversions would throw me into a higher tax bracket and Irma brackets. Okay, so don't do it. The accounts have 600 grand combined, 66% in a target date fund, which is pretty low risk. Expense ratio is low. I think it's okay. I want the opinion of an expert. I'm fine with that. That's fine. That's fine. You can dribble it out, you know, and if tax rates go up, they go up. You're going to, you know, that's the only downside. I don't want you to go into a higher tax bracket. I don't want you to go into the IRMA, pay that extra money for so for uh, Medicare. So I'm good with where you are. So I say, do what you're going to do. Okay, that's it. That is the program. And we would love if you could help us out simply by passing this show along to anyone you know or subscribing to this on the Odyssey app or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Mark, how are our newsletter subscriptions going? 
Because remember, Mark's bonus is going out. I think I'm going to probably send it out to you next week. It's a little Hanukkah Christmas thing. So I like to send it out. I'm going to see you next week, you know. Oh, right. Maybe I'm just going to hand you a check. I haven't done that in a while. Nah, I'm probably, maybe I will. Anyway, do you get the extra $1,000 or not? What's going on? Let's see. We are getting so close. But we're still we're still behind. Unbelievable. We need a whopping thirty four. We need thirty four people to register for the newsletter, and Mark gets an extra thousand dollars. I mean, honestly, just tell everybody in your office to do it. If you're listening, just like go. You don't even have to listen to the web to the to the podcast. Just go on to JillOnMoney.com and sign up for the free weekly newsletter. Thirty four people who do it. And guess what? Mark gets $1,000 and uh, he'll be so happy. Extra thousand. That's a nice barbecue up on my new roof deck. Nice. I'll be happy to join and um, and I will bring you a nice bottle. Okay. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, Lift someone up. Lift Mark up today. Change your work, change your wealth, change your life. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework.